I'm impressed with you guys today. I was honestly expecting like nobody to come to church because a deer opener. So this is good. I hope that means that you already shot your deer. Um, if you're like me, you're probably here because you're mad because you never saw a deer the whole time you went deer hunting. I went th- three years straight, every weekend, 4 a.m. to 6 p.m., never saw a deer. So if you're like me and you're just mad so you came to church, welcome. I'm glad that you're here. I'm excited because this morning we're preaching a message um, on obedience, and we're going to talk about what Jesus says about being obedient. But as I was reading and studying the passage that I'm going to speak from the last few days, something hit me. I don't know, something, I feel like God was speaking through his word directly to me, and so I'm excited to share with what God was sharing with me. And I'm excited because I know that when God speaks, things happen. Right? When God created the world, he spoke it into existence. When God raised Lazarus from the dead, he spoke it. And when God speaks in his Bible, change happens. And so if you're ready to hear from God today, if you're ready to be transformed, we're going to read the Bible. But first, I want to tell you about the time I got my first girlfriend. Woo! It was a good one. So, seventh grade. Now, some people think I'm awkward today, but you should have seen me in seventh grade. Middle school Justin was 10 times more awkward than 26-year-old Justin. But I'm so excited because I like this girl. She likes me. Everybody knows we like each other, and so that means we got a date, right? And so we go to Wild Mountain. We're on a field trip, and I'm so excited because I saw her coming down the hill looking fine in her pink jacket, right? She comes down the hill. She swoops around, gets to the chairlift, and I'm thinking, I'm making a beeline. So I get to the chairlift, and I'm thinking, okay, here's how it's going to go in my head. I'm, I'm going to talk to her, you know, how's skiing going, right? Let her know I care about her a little bit, right? How's it going? How's your day? What do you like to do? I got all these questions in my head. So here's what happens. Chairlift comes down. If you're on the live stream, you might not be able to see me for a second, but chairlift comes down. We both get on it, and I'm so excited because it's like, this is my moment, and this is what happens in real life. This is what happens. If you feel awkward right now, imagine how I felt and how she felt. I was one of the most awkward middle school kids because I was 100 pounds soaking wet in seventh grade. I had nothing going for me. And I had this girl that I was like, this is the hottest girl ever, but now I just don't know what to do because I'm just so nervous and so anxious and so fearful. And I just got so uncomfortable for five straight minutes going all the way up the hill. Not a word was spoken. And I've got to tell you, when, it, when we got to the top of the hill and I skied right off the, the little hill that comes off of the chairlift, I was so excited because that excruciating moment of my life was over. It was done. <laughs> but I think fear and anxiety play an interesting role in our lives, doesn't it? It keeps us from getting the girl or the guy, right? But not only that, it keeps us from doing things that we love. Fear and anxiety keep us from doing new things. And I think fear and anxiety keep us from thriving in our relationship with God. Because how many of you are like me, where you've had stuff happen to you in your life that makes you nervous and worried and fearful and anxious about your future? Right, we've all gone through tragedies. We've all gone through you know, minor speed bumps in our lives that, that confuse us, that wonder, we wonder why we're in the situation that we're in. We wonder why God didn't show up in the specific way that we wanted him to. I remember when I was a teenager, 
when my dad was working down in Arizona during the recession because I was the only place where you could earn money because in Minnesota there was nothing. It was dried in, in construction. And so he had to go work down in Arizona for a couple of years. And my, in my mind, I just wanted God to, to give me a dad that was there every single day. But for a couple of years, he wasn't there. And I'm not blaming my dad because he, he did what he had to do. But I'm saying that sometimes we ask God to do things in our life. This can cause us to fear our future where we don't know if God really has a plan for us, right? We've all heard that verse. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And we love that verse. We put it on coffee cups. We put it on our Instagram. We put it on our Facebook page. And we think, oh, God loves me, right? He's got a plan for me. But do we believe this every single day? Do we believe this when things are good? And do we believe this when things are bad? And this morning, we're going to talk about obedience, being obedient through the highs and the lows in life. We're going to look at a story of what Jesus was was teaching about obedience to his disciples. But before we get into the story, I want to clear the air on what obedience to Jesus truly is. Because I don't know if you're like me, but when I was a kid, when God says in the Bible, right, be obedient, when we're told we have to follow the commandments, be obedient to God if we want to follow God, What I heard was, I have to check off a bunch of boxes. I have to get to church, check. I have to give money, check. I have to do this, check. I have to do this, check. And I'm just filling out like this religious paperwork of, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, and I've done this. And boom, now God loves me. But that's such a wrong way to to view God and to view obeying his commandments. Now, it's a great thing to be generous. and We love your generosity. It's a great thing to come to church. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, we are commanded that we need to meet together weekly to gather as the body of Christ, to encourage one another, pray together, worship together, do all these things. So it's a good thing to give. It's a good thing to come to church. These are all good things, but we don't obey Jesus out of religious obligation. We obey Jesus because of who he is and because we love him because he first loved us. The passage that we're going to read this morning, we're going to look at it in two different ways. Because one, it's going to be very applicable. I think, you know, when I read this, I know exactly what to do. But two, it's going to tell us who Jesus is and what God's whole grand design is for this life. Because I believe that there are two ways to read the Bible. One, we need to read the Bible so that it applies to our lives so that we can be more like Jesus, right? Every sermon I want to preach, I want to make sure people can take it home and know what to do so they can be more like Jesus. But number two, there's a second way to read the Bible. It's a whole narrative about the story of God and God's people. God is revealing to us who he is, who Jesus is, and who the Holy Spirit is. And when we read the story that we're about to read, we are getting a picture where Jesus talks in the nature of God. And so I'm so excited. We're going to turn to to John chapter 14, where Jesus talks to his disciples about where he's going. A little bit of context to this passage. Like I said, fear and anxiety can play a significant role in our relationship with God, and it can keep us from fully trusting God. This is exactly what the disciples were going through. Now, Jesus has just revealed to his disciples, they're sitting around the dinner table, it's late at night, and they're just talking, and he's telling them some some good things, but he starts to tell them that he's not going to be around much longer. Now, Jesus knew even before he came down to the earth from God that he was going to die, 
that he was going to die for our sins. He didn't know that he was going to be crucified. He didn't know how it was going to happen, but he knew that his purpose on earth, he came down to die. Jesus lived to die so that you could die and then live, right? He came to give you life. And so Jesus knows this and he's starting to explain that there's going to be an hour coming when I'm no longer with you. And what they didn't even realize is that it was only a matter of hours away. In fact, it was right around 12 hours away that Jesus was about to be arrested and put to death. And so the disciples, they start asking him questions. They start asking him, well, where are you going? Are you going to die? Are we going to die? Right? Because that's a big deal. You were this guy who came down and claimed to be the son of God, the Messiah. So they're going to kill you for that. Now, if we're following you, does that mean we're going to die too? They're starting to get anxious and fearful. And so I want you to put, your, put yourself in the shoes of the disciples, right? Put yourself around the table with Jesus and the disciples. Imagine this guy comes down, claims to be the son of God. You believe him. You follow him. He changes your life. You watch him change other people's lives. Life is good. And all of a sudden he says he's going to leave. He says he's no longer going to be with you. That's shocking, right? And so the disciples are fearful. They're anxious. They don't know what the future holds. But in the midst of their fear, he says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. Now the spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit. Just another name for the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. He lives with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. And before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. And because I live, you also will live. I don't know about you, but that is good news. Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, I'm no longer going to be with you. I'm leaving. I'm not going to be here anymore. But just because I'm leaving you physically does not mean I'm leaving you spiritually. And I don't know how many of you need to hear that this morning and be reminded of that great truth of who God is today is that it doesn't matter what our future holds. You might not know what your future holds. You might be so worried and so anxious and so fearful about what the next day, year, or next 10 years look in your life. Maybe because of a recent diagnosis you've had in your life. Maybe one of your family members has been diagnosed with a disease. Maybe you don't know if you're going to have a job in a year. You don't know where you're going to go to college. There are so many things in this life that we can be so anxious and fearful and we can worry every single day if we let ourselves. But what Jesus is saying, he's saying, hey, if you love me, keep my commands and I will send you an advocate to help you to be with you. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan, but I will come to you. That's good news. When Jesus is saying this, he's trying to remind the disciples that the future might be bleak. What do we know about the disciples? If you read the rest of the Bible, if you get into the book of Acts, most of the disciples died horrible, painful deaths because they followed Jesus. Some of the apostles and some of the disciples were boiled in oil. They were beheaded. They were crucified. They were stoned to death. And I don't mean they smoked a lot of weed. They were literally throw rocks at people's heads. And they died these horrible, painful deaths because they followed Jesus. But in the midst of that, Jesus is saying, you don't have to worry. 
If you obey my commands because you love me, I will be with you. And what God is trying to tell us is that we might not have a great, beautiful life ahead of us based on our own worldly standards. Right? We're going to have relatives that pass away. We're going to have financial troubles coming. We're going to hit another recession. It happens every 15, 20 years. Right? It's undeniable. Things in this life are going to go wrong. But if we love Jesus, and if we keep obeying his commands, he, that's good news to the advocate. He will be with you no matter where you go. That's good news today. Because I'm telling you guys, I have seen some stuff. I'm only 26 years old. But I've had relatives close to me pass away. I've had relatives close to me commit suicide. I've seen the financial recession. I, I went through that where we didn't even know if we were going to have a house the next month because we could barely pay the mortgage. Now, I'm only 26 year, years old, and I've seen some stuff, but I know for a fact that some of you guys have lived 20 years longer than me. Some of you like 40 years, but <laughs> you've seen some stuff too, right? We've all gone through tragedies. We've all had bad things happen to us, but God is saying, and what Jesus is telling the disciples is that what is about to happen it doesn't matter. I am with you. And just because I'm not here with you physically, and I won't be with you physically in a few hours, I am sending my Holy Spirit for you as an advocate. And I love that word advocate. Because what does that mean? He will speak for us. He will be with us. He will protect us. He's side by side with us no matter what we go through, no matter what we're going through. No matter what's been done to us, no matter what we do to other people, God is with us. In other words, what Jesus is telling his disciples is he's saying that you have nothing to be anxious for. And what he's telling you this morning is that you have nothing to worry about. Yes, take care of yourself. Budget well. Love people. Love your family. Right? Eat healthy. Don't just eat Jack's Pizza Mountain Dew like I do, but be healthy, right? Take care of yourself, but you have nothing to worry about because no matter where you go, no matter what happens to you, no matter what you do, he will be with you. Do you believe that this morning? If you believe that and you love Jesus, Jesus is telling you, keep my commandments, not out of religious obligation, not because you fear me, because every time I read that in the Bible sometimes, especially when I was younger, whenever I would hear the words in the Bible, obey my commands, I'd always read it as, obey my commands or burn. Honestly, that's how I read it. Like, God just, I need to be perfect because he's telling me to be perfect. I need to follow all the rules. But what we need to realize about Jesus is that he is not commanding us to follow, to follow him out of obligation. It is out of love. He says, if you love me, he doesn't say, if you feel obligated, he doesn't say, if you feel like you should. He says, if you love me, obey my commands. It's about love, not obligation. It's about Jesus, not religion. It's about loving him, not checking things off of a box and calling yourself good with God. It is about Jesus. It's about love. And he loves and is passionate about you. He loves you in spite of your sins. He loves me in spite of my sins. But we love him because of who he is. He is good. So what are the commands? Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commands. And if we want our lives to be transformed, if we want the Holy Spirit with us, what are these commands? Because I feel like that's kind of helpful, right? <laughs> we say it's, you know, if we want the Holy Spirit, 
we want him with us, we've got to obey him. Well, how do we obey him? Well, if you read through the book of John, we're not going to read the whole thing, obviously, because it's a long book, but there's three different commandments that Jesus is giving his disciples. If you read the book of John, there are three different instances where he gives us, where he says, I command you. Here's what you need to do. And the first one that he does, he says, he commanded them in John chapter 13 to wash one another's feet. Now, if you're new to church or Christianity, or maybe you're not a Christian, you got forced to come to church today, that sounds pretty weird, doesn't it? Why would we wash each other's feet? Because they're kind of gross. In fact, in the Middle East, the Eastern Hemisphere of the world, they think so much differently than we do. They have distinct, different customs in their lives, they have different things in their lives that are offensive. Like, if I gave you all the middle finger, which I'm not going to, it would be incredibly offensive, right? In the Middle East, if you show somebody the bottom of your foot, I had to stretch for that one. You show somebody the bottom of your foot, that's offensive. That's like the middle finger to them. George Bush, right, a few years ago when he was president, he got a through, he got a through shoe at him. No, he got a shoe thrown at him during a press conference over in the Middle East because this reporter could not stand him. He thought he was a terrible person, so he threw a shoe at him. That is the ultimate sign of disrespect. So in Jesus, he's, he's commanding the disciples, hey, wash one another's feet. In that moment, they're thinking, What? That's not what we do. But what is he telling him? He's saying, hey, humble yourself. You're no better than one another. I want you to humble yourselves before each other and serve each other. Even the grossest part about your lives, you guys are going to wash each other's feet. The grossest part about your body, you're going to wash each other. Because what this is about is humility and service. And so Jesus is commanding his disciples, you need to be humble and you need to serve people. And he's commanding us to do the same thing. Now, when you go home today, sure, you can get down on your knees, you can scrub some feet if you want to. I don't know, maybe that's your thing. But he's not saying you have to do this religious duty as in wash each other's feet. Now, it's a good thing. We've done it here at New Hope. Right, you can do it if you want to, but the heart of what Jesus is saying is that you have to be humble and serve people. That's a command. If we love Jesus, we will be humble and serve people. The second command is similar. He commanded them to love one another after his pattern of love for them. And we find this one also in John chapter 13. But Jesus commanded the disciples to love each other as he loved them. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a difficult thing because there are people in this world that I have a hard time loving and that you have a hard time loving. But you know who is in the midst of the 12 disciples that Jesus also loved on earth? Judas. Jesus was serious about loving people that we might not particularly like. Jesus was serious about people who live, be people who get offended at your Christianity. There might be people who think just because you're a Christian that automatically makes you judgmental and they're going to judge you, they're going to think you're crazy, they're going to think you're hateful, but what does Jesus command us to do? Love people as he loved people. Jesus didn't die for the righteous, he died for the sinners and that's you and me. The ultimate form of Jesus' love that he had for people is that he sacrificed his life, he went to the cross and died so that you may live. It doesn't matter what skin color people are. It doesn't matter what sexual orientation people are. It doesn't matter what lifestyle people choose to live. It might not be biblical. It might not be right, but you love them through it. That's what Jesus says. We don't have to agree with people. 
We can think they're doing terrible, wicked things, and that might be right. But we need to treat people with love and respect. And the ultimate form of love that Jesus showed was in going to the cross and sacrificing himself. And so what he's calling us to do is to sacrifice our own wants, sacrifice our own needs, our own desires, our own political affiliations, our own points of view on what life is supposed to be like, and just love people. Tell them the truth, yes, but love people. Commandment number three. In John chapter 14, verse one, Jesus commands the disciples to put their faith in God alone, that there's no other God There's no other idol. There's nothing else on this earth that can take his place. And so many of us, it's so easy to run towards other things to bring us security in life. Like I said, one of the reasons why it's tough to obey God every single day and to keep the commandments is because of fear. And what's one of the number one things that we fear? Financial security. I mean, how many of us are stressed out to get to the next paycheck? I know there are times in my life where it is hard, right? It's difficult. Finances are tough. And then we get to that next paycheck and it's like, finally, I can breathe, right? We feel that sense of, okay, I made it. I'm good. Let's get to the next one. But isn't that an idol? When having little amounts of money takes every ounce of joy and security from your life, and you're stressed, you're worried, you're anxious, you're fearful, and then you get that paycheck, and it's like, whew, now I feel good. Going to Macy's, right? That's an idol. Jesus says, put nothing else in front of me. Put your whole faith in me. Don't trust your money. Don't trust your job. Don't trust anybody else. Don't trust any other religion. Don't trust any other God. Nothing else. It is only me. And those are the commandments that we are called to keep. It's called 1% is that we want to see what our lives would be like if we trusted Jesus, if we just obeyed him, even, even just 1% more. And, and I want to say that, you know, he wants your full obedience. He wants everything. He wants you to trust him 100% obe- and be obedient 100%. But here's what we have to realize sometimes is that that sounds overwhelming, and it can be overwhelming. Jesus wants to transform your whole life when you're thinking, whoa, right? That's a lot to work through. We've got a lot of stuff to work through. But imagine how much better your marriage would be. Imagine how much better your relationships would be. Imagine how much better or how easier it would be to forgive people. Imagine how much easier it would be to keep purity sexually if we just loved Jesus and obeyed him even 1% better than we did yesterday. Because of what he did for us on the cross, because of who he is, that he has sent his advocate, that we know that we don't have to go through life alone, that we are always with God if we are keeping his commandments. Man, that should spur us to love God even more. Man, there are things that I've done in my life that are, that are not good. I have been far from God for a long time in my life. And I got saved about 10 years ago, and where I was 10 years ago just fit like mentally and spiritually and emotionally. I was in a dark, dark place. I committed so many sins. It was unbelievable. I had done things that I thought I would never, ever do. But that's when God met me. He came to where I was in life. And from that moment on, I've had a peace that I can't even explain. Yes, there are hard days. There are days where I struggle. There are days where I fear. There are days where I get anxious. There are days where I worry. But Jesus is saying in the midst of those days, if you love me, 
Keep my commands and I will be with you. That very truth about who God is, that he loves us, that he's with us and that he's for us and that no matter where we go in life, he's not gonna leave us, man, that takes me back. It's amazing. See, like I said earlier, we can take these commands and we can follow them. We know exactly what to do, right? We know exactly how to love Jesus. We know exactly what it means to, to love and obey him because of these three commands that he gave us. And so this is super applicable to us. But what I also want us to do is I want us to read the Bible in a way that shows us the whole story. It gives us the whole picture of who God truly is. And from the beginning to the end, you know who God has been? A God who is with his people. Right, God the Father went with the Israelites all the way through Egypt, through the Exodus, through all the, the pain, all the sins that they went through. And then he sent his son Jesus to physically live with people. And he walked the earth for 33 years and then died. But when he died, he didn't truly die, right? He went to the grave for three days. But then he rose, and now he's alive, and he's in heaven with God, seated at the right hand of the Father. But he has sent his son, though he is physically gone, he has sent his Holy Spirit to be with you. God is a God who doesn't leave his people. God is a God who keeps his promises, and his promise is that, you would be, is that he would be with you no matter what. And what we have to know about what we've just read in this passage is that obedience leads to the promise. Our obedience to Jesus leads to his promise of his presence in our lives. The problem is some of us want the promise without the obedience. Some of us want the result of faith. The Some of us want his presence in our lives, but we don't want to be obedient to him. But what he's calling us to do is to be obedient to him, not out of obligation, but out of love. He doesn't say, if you feel obligated, keep the commands. He doesn't say, if you want to, keep the commands. He doesn't say, if you have to, Keep the commands. He says, if you love me, keep the commands. We need a love for Jesus. And the way that we get that love for Jesus is realizing what he has done for you. There was a man, physically, this is a real story, there was a man named Jesus that went to the cross, was beaten, was punished, was bloodied, and suffocated on a cross so that you could live. This man named Jesus loved you passionately. He wanted you with him. It didn't matter how sinful you were. It didn't matter what the bad things that you had done in your past. It didn't matter what the bad things that you were doing right now. He wants you. And when we put our faith in him, he gives us himself. When we obey his commands, he gives us himself. See, when we, when we apply this to our lives, when we look at you know, our marriages, sometimes we, we run to the marriage books, right, to, to help us with our marriage. But what would your marriage look like if you just loved Jesus? If you realized who he was? If you realized that he died for you and your spouse? Man, that changes everything. You know, I see articles, blog posts all the time running through Facebook about you know, how to be a better parent and what kids are like these days and how to be a parent in the midst of how kids are changing. It's like, yeah, that's helpful. Man, what if I just loved Jesus? It changes everything. And some of us are dealing with 
Addictions. And pornography is a huge addiction today. We're struggling with lust and we're trapped in this addiction. And internet blockers are great, right? To keep inappropriate porn websites out of us, that's great. To keep that, to have a shield up against you. But that's not going to change your heart. Loving Jesus is what you need. So I'm not telling you to delete that. (laughs) That's a really helpful thing. Do that if you need it. But what would it look like for your purity if you just loved Jesus and followed his commands? Everything would change. And so that's our call this morning. Whether it's in our parenting, whether it's in our marriages, whether it's in our schoolwork, whether it's in our purity, no matter what it is in life, if we love Jesus, we obey his commands, he is going to be with you. He will give you the strength to get through whatever you're going through. There's not going to be a moment in your life where he is not with you. And that's the promise of God when we obey his commands. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful for you. Lord, you've done so many good things in our lives. And obviously, with dying on the cross, it's, it's the biggest one. But Lord, you've given us so much freedom so much opportunity to turn from our sins and to walk in a life of freedom and to walk in a life of forgiveness. And we're just so taken back by how good you are. Lord, you have shown us the person that you are in this passage that we read this morning, that you are a God who doesn't abandon, doesn't abandon children as orphans, Lord, but you send us an advocate, that no matter what we're going to go through, no matter how good life is going to be up ahead or how bad life is going to be up ahead, Lord, we can have peace and contentment and joy because of who you are. And because of that, we want to worship you with everything that we have. Lord, stir our affections for you. Help us to fall in love with you and help us to belt out these words in this next song because we love you so much. It's in your name I pray. Amen.